but we also really um, took a hard look at what we can do as a company that our customers maybe uh, one by one couldn't have couldn't have done or couldn't have access to. For instance, uh, recently we, uh, well, together with ShareAction, of course, but we uh, kind of nudged Unilever to actually make uh, better uh, better choices uh, in their food products, like healthier choices in their food products. Mm -hmm. And and we think this is uh, this is really something how we can make it matter for our customers at least a little bit more than kind of simply you know buying the right ticket from the market. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Future Of here at Nordic Fintech Magazine. My name is Chris, I am Head of Content and today we're going to be talking about the democratization of investment. Now we continue to see a very strong move towards enabling investors to be more discerning of where they put their money. Similarly to how health conscious foodies became intent in knowing what was in their food, a new generation of investors are now demanding that funds and investment companies disclose further information on the virtues or lack of of the companies in their portfolios. The trend in itself is not new. For decades, investors have been able to decide whether to finance companies aligned with their values, which saw many steering clear from things like weapons or tobacco. This time is different though, as the push is being accelerated by concerns for climate change and newly devised standards relating to social issues and governance. We had an opportunity to sit down with Alvar Lumberg, a veteran in the Estonian startup scene who in his latest move is acting as CTO and late co-founder of Grünfin, a company that is enabling investors to put their money where their heart is. Listen to how Grünfin not only provides clarity and further options for value-based investment, but it's also working to nudge organizations in adopting more environmental, social and governance aligned practices. Whichever side of the aisle you stand on ESG ratings, it is undeniable that simplicity and transparency will become the hallmark of a new generation of finance solutions to come. Alvar, it's such a pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much for coming and spending time with us. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So let's just let's start the conversation. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do. Uh, so yeah, I'm Alvar. I'm the CTO of a company called Grunfin, uh, also a sort of a later co-founder. And uh, before joining Grunfin, I spent seven or eight years at, at Wise, previously TransferWise. I uh, my, let's say, last biggest role was Director of Engineering for Platform and Infrastructure, but I managed or sort of had the opportunity to work with quite a number of product teams there. So it was a pretty much of a rainbow of a, of a journey. Very cool. And, and, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because we, we were we talking to Invest Estonia earlier and Enterprise Estonia. Uh, and when we keep hearing that uh, investment is staying within Estonia, that many companies uh, made exits and they, they come back and invest in other companies. And I guess you're a perfect example of that. So that's, uh, that's it's, it's great, to, great to hear that. So let's talk a little bit about Grumpin. Tell us what's its core value proposition mm -hmm. and what's the problem that it's solving in the market? So uh, Grunfin really was brought to life, if we really zoom out, right? So Grunfin really was brought to life to drive more capital into sustainable companies and initiatives. So that's really what we're about. And, and as, we, as we have been looking around the market and, and especially sort of like retail investment space, uh, we're seeing that people actually care about that more and more. People understand that their money can have an impact and then you can actually vote with your, with your money, not just in terms of uh, being a responsible consumer, but also uh, in the sense of being a responsible investor and, and we just want to make it as easy and accessible and almost like a no-brainer as possible for people to come in and invest to these sustainable businesses. Right and why is it that um, as of lately more and more people are 
deciding to go down this value invest, investing route? Well, probably the people themselves are the best to answer, but the fact is that that is like that is a fact, right? More and more, uh, more and more funds are actually being moved into sustainable assets. I think this uh, the space has grown fivefold over the past five years. It's still a tiny fraction if we sort of look look at like global assets uh, and then and global uh, global investments. Um, but still, definitely, this is uh, I would even call it like a mega trend at least in the investment space. And uh, I think. Uh, if we look around, we, we actually see we see a lot of positive change that people would love to give more momentum to, just such as uh, gender equality, for instance, and overall diversity, but also some maybe not so great changes, such as climate change. So so we all see the heat waves, etc. So people really, I think, are very ready to to take their money uh, to causes that then help with these uh, bigger uh, bigger issues that they care about. And, and how exactly does Greenfin help investors make those more aligned choices with their values? Uh, we, we really also gave it a good, good and hard thought, actually. So yes, there is this bigger mission, but in order to achieve that, or even like to start moving towards that, we actually, you know, need to have customers and 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 then need to actually have something to offer. Uh, and and what we felt we can offer is uh, is is just. Uh, Taking the guesswork and, and, and taking this sort of a, um, uh, basically taking this the sense of difficulty and complexity out of this picture. And what I mean by that is, whenever you you go out and, and, and Google about, basically, if you go and Google how to start investing, it's quite likely, like the first page, 80% of that would be, you know, this is how you trade on the market, this is how you open a brokerage account, maybe at best, you know, this is this is like a robo advisor you can take a look at but this still you know it, it feels like feels like a, feels like a hobby and i want to do the right thing maybe i have some disposable income i want to sort of invest it in a good way uh, maybe i've heard about like asset or wealth management but that's way above my league usually you know you need to have like 100k or a million ticket to get into into that room right yeah. so i want to do the right thing i want to be passive about it and i kind of like want to uh, have peace of mind when i when i go to bed at night right and we felt that uh, that that as a team we have the have the competence the know-how and also the ambition obviously to turn that into a product that people can simply come do on board in 5 minutes simply start like a monthly payment and we do the rest and the rest really is then uh, screening hundreds of thousands, I think 300,000 different funds that are available in the world, uh, screening them for obviously good returns, uh, good returns, low management fees, but most importantly actually uh, for their like, let's say, impact ambitions. Uh, and, and then ratings from the different rating agencies. I think there's probably 14 parameters that go right now into our fund selection. Right, so, so if I understand this correctly, what you do is you basically take information from the, fund, from the funds and then you make it accessible and present it in, a, in, a, in an easy to consume way so that investors can make the right decisions. Um, true, but we actually do a bit more than that. So, uh, so uh, as a product, we're really about like, um, let's say, uh, uh, reducing the friction of having to make uh, many choices uh, from our customers. And, and when, you, when you come and onboard to Grunfin, you simply basically pick between three focus areas. There's climate change, gender equality, and, and healthcare. And then we actually sort of, you know, put, put the meat on that skeleton, basically. So we have picked, uh, picked the funds out of that huge selection that really then sort of like fill, fill in the gaps in, 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 in the portfolio structure that we 
sort of offer to you or suggest to you. And then as a customer, you simply basically say, hey, this is what I like, or maybe you want to go in and change that area a little bit or change the risk level or, or something. And still you end up with like a kind of like a structured portfolio. You just make your monthly payment and we do the rest. Okay, um, let's address the issue of, let's call it impact washing, right? Uh, derived from greenwashing, but uh, we know that uh, it, it's been in the media that many companies have decided to take advantage of this wave mm -hmm. and start claiming credentials that are perhaps not very viable about how impactful their, mm -hmm. their activities are. Mm -hmm. So how does Grumpfen uh, measure the level of impact that a particular fund or a particular company has? Uh, so that it can communicate that in a reliable way. Um, I think we're we're actually quite lucky as a, as a company because we're getting started at a time where the European Union is really stepping up the game in terms of uh, building the taxonomies and kind of like putting up reporting regulation as well uh, on uh, both on like publicly traded companies but also asset managers uh, to then you know in that structured way actually report on their impact. And that's definitely something that uh, that's helping us as well, because that means that that neither us or anyone else has to build like a thousand-person strong research and analytics team, right? So, uh, so, so we think that that actually that regulation by itself, uh, so SFDR, Article Six, Article Eight, Article Nine. I'm not going to go into detail, but somebody can look it up if they're interested. It really kind of helps to uh, at least like frame the discussion about the actual impact, like. You know, creating another set of labels by itself isn't going to guarantee that the information is correct, you know, or the reports are correct. Obviously, that sort of regulation, that sort of oversight needs to follow as well. But at least, you know, we have like a shared taxonomy and, and, and like a set, uh, uh, a set of metrics or a set of, uh, set of uh, attributes or parameters um, or indicators that, uh, that we can all look at and then already assess whether this or that number is actually sort of correct. So I think that is super important, and I, I really think like the European Union is doing uh, doing a great thing here. In that sense, as a company, we simply need to follow the regulation and and then do what's right uh, towards our customers. Okay, um, I think some some critics might have said that uh, that this is all good and well, uh, but it perhaps it's, it's coming in a little bit too late because uh, some of the damage has already been done by greenwashing. A lot of confusion has been brought into the market, and investors, you know, really with the best of intentions, have been totally confused about where to put their money, about what the ratings means, about what the ESG uh, scores mean. So the question I have for you is, what are the, the challenges that remain in ensuring that impact doesn't just become another PR veneer in which companies uh, showcase uh, yeah. their credentials? I think, um, like when you say PR veneer, I, I think that's 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 really interesting because first of all, I I very much agree that the like problem is there, and and there has been a lot of greenwashing. Unfortunately, you know, some big players like Deutsche Bank recently really got caught in a pretty bad storm. Uh, however, if we see companies doing this, if we see companies, you know, putting up a good face, this also means, you know, something has changed in the environment for them, so that they have to care. And I think that itself is actually sort of like worth uh, worth noting because it really means that from the both from their customer side but also from their investor side, there actually is pressure to look good in that sense. And I think this is like a really good backdrop that that you know you may you may uh, you may you may uh, tell your wife that you've been going to the gym and actually you've been going out for beers, but at least you know in in your heart you want to you want to be the good guy. Right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so so I think like that's that sort of is, is a really useful foundation.
uh, and then if we if we look at uh, if we look at what we can do really kind of to to make it matter for us as a company it's definitely important to also not just stop at buying the buying the the, the right or, or good looking uh, ETFs for our customers but we also really um, took a hard look at what we can do as a company that our customers maybe uh, one by one couldn't have couldn't have done or couldn't have access to it's like you know governments and tax money you're supposed to put tax money in a place you know where you solve people's problems kind of as a group yep. so what we did was we we found a really interesting uh, nonprofit in UK called share action that's actually an investor coalition and we partnered with them and and really are are putting a lot of effort into working with them um, as they go from a boardroom to boardroom or uh, or a shareholder meeting to another and and promote these resolutions or promote like new 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 proposals uh, uh, that the companies sort of you know should do differently for instance uh, recently we uh, well together with share action of course but we uh, kind of nudged Unilever to actually make uh, better uh, better choices uh, in their food products like healthier choices in their food products mm -hmm. and and we think this is uh, this is really something how we can make it matter for our customers at least a little bit more than kind of simply you know buying the right ticket from the market right right okay I want to talk a little bit now about your business model. Um, so my understanding is that, the, the, as, as you mentioned earlier, the asset management model has traditionally been prohibitively expensive to, to people unless they have a high net worth, mm -hmm. right? And this is because the advisory model requires quite a lot of high-touch processes and dedicated advisors, etc. Now, uh, through technology, Groomfin is able to bring similar services to market at mm -hmm. the exorbitant amount of free euros and 90 cents per month very true please tell me how, how, how we're talking about a, a massive difference how is that achieved yeah I, I think well first of all you 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 can never uh, forget about corporate greed factoring into things but anyway let's uh, let's put that aside uh, let's put that aside uh, so if you um, if you look at the the product that Trinfin is offering to our customers, uh, the value we offer is is we're really taking a lot of guesswork out of investing from the customer themselves, but also what we offer is uh, let's say uh, tweaked based on your 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 personal desires, but not like completely personalized. I think that's like one one thing to make note of, and and also. Um, uh, yeah, but so basically, by keeping the product simple, uh, we're we're able to take advantage of economies of scale. You know, in, basically, increasingly as our customer base uh, grows and and as our volumes grow, uh, our our transaction costs like necessarily don't don't so much, right? Yeah. Obviously, our product, uh, sorry, product offering might uh, might become a little bit more nuanced in the future, but still, the the core fact is. That that uh, that we 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 don't need to uh, we don't need to really take orders from from a customer or another and then go and you know specifically fulfill that on the market for them alone. What we're doing is we're we're basically taking the inflows from our customers and simply making the trades. So the product actually is pretty simple, and we're really able to kind of like scale down on the transaction costs. I think this is what it uh, what it comes down to. And you know we we shouldn't charge more for that because it really doesn't cost more done like this. Right, right. Okay, uh, tell me a little bit about your customers. Who is the typical customer of Greenfield? Uh, we're quite proud of that in some ways uh, because um, uh, we're able to say that in our main, like main uh, sort of demographic age group, 
we're almost 50-50 uh, gender equal uh, for an investment product that's actually a pretty big deal. As most of the investors sort of most investors in the market are tend to be men, right? And and that's super important for us as well. Like we're we're really we're really also like among other waves, we're hoping to ride the wave of like uh, female empowerment and, and kind of you know taking responsibility of their own financial future. It sounded a bit off, but you, you sort of get get the drift. Um, so uh, so that's one one thing that we're really really proud of. But also we learn a lot from what our customers say about our product. And, and what they say about our product is that they really value it being like a sustainable investing platform. Uh, so sustainability as such really matters to them. But also, you know, people today are sophisticated enough to at least, you know, attempt to look behind the greenwashing. So we have pretty good confidence that our customers, at least at large, believe in like believe in us doing a little bit better than, than the general sort of just putting stickers on things, right? And then the other bit is uh, our customers also appreciate the ease of use, accessibility, and uh, well, and the cost as well. But it's mostly sort of like ease of use and accessibility. So we, we we seem to have quite a lot of customers for whom this is like a bit of an enlightening investment experience. That you know, I'm doing the right thing. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm I'm also following good investment practices. You know, small amounts over a long period of time. Really hard to argue with that. But I'm doing the right thing at the same time, and it's super easy. Right, and that brings me quite nicely to my next question because uh, in, in this impact investment uh, environment you, you constantly hear the debate about profit over mm -hmm. purpose. Um, in your experience, what you've seen from the results that your investors or the investors in, in, in your platform experience, is there really a trade-off between uh, Investing for impact versus the profitability. There's a, well, uh, I'm 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 bragging a little bit, but there seems to uh, seems to rather be a trade-off between like not investing for impact. So uh, we uh, we just look at that, uh, the performance of our portfolios, well, our customers' portfolios over the first half of this year, and and then we looked at the same uh, for Nasdaq and SP 500, for instance, like some pretty big, well-known indexes as well. And uh, while the market was harsher everybody especially in Q2 yeah. uh, so we were all in the red <laughs> but uh, but our portfolios actually were a lot less in the red than the other ones uh, but I, I I really would also like not not just want to talk about you know like kind of um, reducing risks because also uh, when we when we speak about uh, gains a good example would be uh, I think may have already mentioned that over the past five years, like the, the fund allocation into the sustainable sustainable funds, basically sustainable assets, has grown fivefold. This definitely is a continuing trend because there's quite a long way to go. But I think also more interestingly, maybe uh, like we already discussed, like Q2 being a pretty harsh uh, investing environment this year alone, uh, and and over this Q2. Uh, the um, SDG-oriented uh, oriented funds um, had like a 32, 33 billion inflow into them, where the rest of the market had like a 280 billion outflow. So money was moving out of the out of the public markets, but actually like uh, uh, so, yeah, huge huge difference between. Well, maybe the numbers are like not comparable because there's like a huge difference in the share of these these assets available, but uh, but on the other hand, you know, clear trends uh, in there. So uh, and when we, we we think because there's quite a long way to go, I I, I think our our customers and anyone investing sustainably can uh, can kind of benefit from from that uh, that motion.
Right. At one point, maybe 100% of the stock market will be sort of sustainable and sustainably managed, yeah. but then we sort of have achieved our, our joint mission. So <laughs> that's not a bad thing. Yeah, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting thing to point out. Um, now, as a CTO, what are the main technology challenges that you still find in being able to bring a product like this to market? That's um, uh, yeah. That's a really interesting question because uh, yeah, as a as a as a CTO, well, as a, as an engineer, I've, I've built quite a few different systems at different scales, and and uh, handling people's money obviously is always a serious business, and and I'm really happy that it's regulated pretty well overall. Um, so. So that's one. Uh, building things for scale also comes with its own set of problems and uh, and, uh, and and complexities. Uh, and then like internal financial mathematics and accounting and and and, and auditing and reporting and, and that's all. It can all be a very complex matter, but I don't really think that's the main challenge um, because. Much of that actually has already kind of been commoditized. You know, there's there's tools and platforms and libraries or some like third-party vendors for that, um, or then or then simply there's a lot of things that other people have done before. Uh, I think most interesting, uh, the most interesting challenge a company like ours or like any growing company faces is staying agile enough to really kind of like continuously adapt based on the learnings you get from the market. And and when you, uh, this is something I, I I learned at Wise, but like when you when you then start growing as a company, you really like need to evolve both your tech but also your team or like your organization to then. You know, be be agile, be flexible, and and remain that way. I think that's like the really interesting challenge. So the tech maybe even isn't so uh, so important. Oh right, well, it's, uh, at the end, it always comes back to the people, right? Well, yeah, I guess that <laughs> that's always the sort of <laughs> truism in the end. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, then uh, tell us. Uh, I don't want to make any assumptions. Uh, your enthusiasm is, is is evident. It comes across when you're speaking. But I'm still going to ask you, why did you choose to join Greenfield? Yeah. Uh, really personally, um, fintech as such really hasn't been like a you know pure or like a the direct clear draw for me as such. It just some, somehow has has happened. I've been working. I've worked at Swedbank, one of the largest larger banks here, uh, then Transferwise, and and then now Greenfin. So I guess that's just something I sort of know how to do. But with Greenfin, what really spoke to me was uh, it really addressed my personal interest in kind of like doing something for the better of the world like I, I kind of figured might might it be clean tech you know clean energy maybe even like agri-tech uh, kind of felt that that I'd maybe you know steer in that direction uh, but then Rin and Karin uh, our, our founders came came my way and I was really quite excited to find this nice match between actually like a pretty big mission of, of changing the world by, by driving capital to, to the sustainable um, companies, uh, but also you know building something ground up as, as one does. But you know it, it always feels so much better with a good mission. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Okay, and then just to close, tell us what's Greenfin's vision and where do you hope that uh, what role will you play in the ecosystem within the next five years? Probably that's the hardest question uh, because because it's it's also something that we uh, we expect our, our customers to tell us. But even if you uh, uh, just think about the different aspects of uh, of investi investing or, or or wealth management, and then kind of look at the whole range of uh, 
range of products or services that could benefit from a low-cost, uh, low-cost, impact-oriented sustainability lens. Uh, we actually have like a pretty wide picture, um, like a wide variety of things that, as a company, we we might look to incorporate into our product portfolio. You know, there's uh, whether that's like uh, employer pension plans, or 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 whether uh, whether that's uh, micro investments. Uh, that's gaining some popularity as well. There's really a lot that we can do and, and we think we, we have a pretty solid groundwork, like pretty good rails to, to, to then take to these different customer segments or different use cases and, 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 and simply, simply scale up. So we're quite, quite looking forward, uh, forward to that. But I think we, we have plenty to do without moving anywhere from our core mission of just putting more money where, where it uh, works on the right things. Matters. Indeed. Well, um, Alvar, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's always really inspiring hearing people that are so enthusiastic about what they're doing. So um, just thank you so much for, for coming and sharing that with us. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having me. It's really been a pleasure. It, likewise. Thank you.